Right outside of Craftsman and Wolves in the Bayview neighborhood of San Francisco, I am Schmitty, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today's episode is dedicated to Preston Mygetter. On the show, we have ex-Think Skateboards pro Matt Pales, king of the back lip, overnight Rasta sensation, and Sacto resident, talking about the old Think days, living with Dan Drahobel, and his reggae song that has over 8 million views on the old YouTube. I came home and I was like singing the song over and over in my head, like, ganja my meditation, ganja my brain. And then I was like, I wrote it out. And so I got home and I was kind of blazed and I just sang it out real quick. Boom, I put it together and I mixed it. And I was like, ooh, I was like, I don't need to fuck with this at all. This is perfect, right? So then we, I put it on MySpace. Within like a week, it was getting a thousand plays a day. I'm getting 100 bucks a month from my music, and it's just all ganja in my brain. And then all of a sudden, it got on YouTube, and it's just over that over time, it just became like millions and millions of plays. And Whoa. I think like I think the most I made in a month was 800 bucks one time. What's up, man? This is Pales, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. Hit him up. Check out his podcast, Talking Schmidt Live. Bye bye. Get ready, ladies and gents, because this is going to be a good one. I was sitting at the B Street on the tables listening to some of what you guys are going to hear he had stories about gall fred gall at the at a contest go come on pales let's go skate that quarter pipe he had uh stories about staying with matt reason rest in peace he's just an all-out badass dude and like Jeremy Fish said, you probably ain't going to get nothing done trying to listen to these podcasts because you were right, Jeremy. I didn't. I tried, I tried vacuuming and I had my phone up to my ear trying to vacuum and listen to your shit. I had to turn it off and just listen to you. So you're right. You ain't getting shit done on Talking Schmidt. Here we go again. It's cool. Like tonight is the night. Just give it the old cars time, isn't it? Our big dog's in. What do you think, Schmitty? 96 times, Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. John, Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. He's so fucking big, dude. <laughs> Shit, my pants, lad. Your Rolodex is fucking deep. Are you ready? Come on, Schmidt. Hello, everybody. We are in the 916 up in Sacktown, and I'm coming off a Hefty breakfast at the old bacon and uh, butter. Oh, bacon and butter. Yeah, and I'm uh, about a seven-minute drive from there in the garage of the one and only Matt Pales. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Thanks for making it. Thanks for coming out. Good. Thanks for having me. We're in this little studio. His son's in a band. He plays music, and there's drum kits. There's two keyboards we got mixers we got all kinds of stuff yeti mics it's like guitars sick yeah don't don't uh tell the location i don't want to get no nope. coming through trying to swipe stuff <laughs> <laughs> he's got a bunch of dogs got 1800 and... piano over here oh yeah the kimball chicago right there i was here when i moved in so <laughs> i kept it <laughs> how long you been here uh this house 15 years about 16 nice yeah and you were Born in the East Coast? Yeah, uh, yeah Massachusetts. Boston, Boston or outside? Uh, well, outside of Boston. But I was born in Beverly. It's a small town in Massachusetts, but I grew up in this small town called Rowley. And then we used to skate. Really, where I skated the most was Newburyport, Amesbury, 
and we'd take the T into Boston to go skate. Uh-huh. Like sneak out to go there for the weekends and shit. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to school in Mass, Massachusetts, and then- uh, In what city, though? It's called By- Byfield, Mass. It's a tiny little town, Newburyport. Is that where Salvo is from, too? No, Salvo's from Lowell. Oh, that's And I used right. to skate with Greg. He's from Lowell, and- uh who else and manny santiago ended up being from lowell oh dave bajinski they all came from pj lad too pj lad was was he lowell he's somewhere in mass but i don't think i can't remember uh uh-huh. but uh yeah yeah lowell was sick though actually it had good brick banks it had a good this police station that was sick to skate uh we had like a little crew of like five guys so it's weird back east you get little crews and then you they're in different towns and you just you know what i mean like there's not many skaters so we'd be like Oh, uh, where are you going this weekend, you know? Oh, we're going to go to Drake it or we're going to go to Lowell. And then all the Lowell guys would be like, let's go into Boston for the, you know, we'll meet you at the Boston Garden and then skate from there to like Copley and then go from there to the Boston City Hospital, wherever you, right. wherever it was, yeah. Sick. Did you have a thick accent back then or? I had a worse one, yeah. Yeah. Back then I did. But there's a thing like back east, there's some people who have it so bad. They're like super towny and you're just like, oh <laughs> man, like that guy sounds ridiculous. You know, and I still have it a little bit, but it's not as prevalent. You know? uh-huh. Like when I say afterwards. Afterwards. <laughs> we're going there afterwards. And then someone's like, did you say afterwards? I'm like, Fucking chowder yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Fucking afterwards. <laughs> Fucking Salva's got it good. He can put it on he thick puts it in on a up. second. Yeah. yeah, he'd be like, get the chowder guy. Yeah. When we first moved to fucking... Uh, to SF, me and him would be like... Everyone's like, ugh, dude, that's hella sick. Fucking sick, dude. Like, all that. And we were like, fuck, dude, that's wicked awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wicked. Like, hello, what the hell? Oh, shit. You know? And Drake used to... Drake, uh, Drake Jones and Jamie Thomas used to laugh at us because we had such thick, like, kind of Boston accents. And we'd throw it on on purpose just to fuck with everybody. Like, Absolutely. Like, can we go over there? Are we going over there? <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's rad do you remember what your first uh real skateboard was my first board was a uh was a town and country and i put pink uh zebra stripe grip tape on it (laughs) town and country and it was just some board i bought at the shop right and that thing kind of sucked and it was i thought it was cool at the time because it was like in the mag uh bmx magazine so i was like oh that must be a legit board Mm -hmm. but then that thing died on me and i got a fucking my friend had a used eddie radigi Alva. Uh, Alva. Yep. And that thing was fucking great. But my first like favorite board was the Lester Kasai. I asked for it for Christmas and my mom got it for me. And then I was like so psyched on that thing. And it was like in her closet. So I'd come home from school every day and fucking just look at it and like touch the tail and fucking (laughs) it was stained hella good. I think I was a member of the House of Kasai fan club or something. No way. <laughs> he used to get newsletters. <laughs> I was a big Lester fan growing up for yeah, sure. Yeah, because I was like, he's a soy, but not really. So yeah. he's kind of like, like underground soy. Yep. How long were you out there till you moved out to the West? So I lived there till I was 19. So through high school and everything. Yeah, through high school. And I was just talking to my girl about this this morning because I saw a picture of a turtles in boston it's like an old skate spot in boston that was sick i don't know if you ever just had the tubes and shit yeah and there's a picture of jim gagney ollieing up it, and i was showing her like this is a spot we used to skate and i was like and that guy jim gagney i took a bus my senior year of high school i was going into my senior year and i took a bus to go to the uh, houston finals of like skateboard amateur contest there was like bricktown new jersey and then it went fucking um to north carolina and then to houston 
But fucking that whole trip, like everywhere you went, like if you like the East Coast is all the East Coast skaters from that time. Liversedge, Gino, Barker, everyone was there. Even Cardio was there that time he showed up. And all these Shrugi was there at that. And then the next contest was like North Carolina. So like Chet Childress was there, Kenny Hughes, like all the dudes from that area. Yeah. And then when you, we got to Houston, it's literally that whole generation of like 93, 94 pros <clears> that <throat> just came out from like Andrew Reynolds, Matt Beach. Mm. I think I was on GNS. Fucking Jamie Thomas was there. Jake actually fucking – it was like, what are you riding there? And I was riding some shit gull wings. And he's like, I'm going to send you some indies. And he fucking hooked me up. And so I was able to call. He got, I got indies sent to my house. And I was like, fucking blown away. Like, I got indies for free. Like, what? Like, I guess I'm on. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I was, but. <laughs> you you mentioned GNS. Was that the first sponsor? Was that your first hookup? Like, for a real company, I yeah. guess. Yeah. GNS. I was on GNS at the time I sent him a. Uh, you know, a good old fucking VHS tape. Uh-huh. Skating my local parking lots and shit. And they were like, yeah, we'll send you boards. And then they were down to like, you know, help me with plane tickets or all that kind of stuff. Help me with contest fees. So they were pretty on like being like a team sponsor at the time. It was cool. And even when I went got to SF, I was still kind of on GNS. And I was getting like the Shannon May Ever Slicks and Charlie Thomas Ever Slicks and shit. That was like 18, 19 year old? Yeah, almost at the end of GNS. Okay. And so I, I think Anthony Oglesby was on the team. Uh-huh. Matt Beach was still kind of on. Yeah, I was like basically, that was my 11th grade year going into 12th. And so I got back from that whole like tour in the whole country and meeting all these pro skaters. And I was like, I think Matt Rodriguez was at that Houston contest. Jamal, like everybody was there. I remember getting back to high school and being like, fuck am i doing here like i want to be in california you know like so i think i did like <clears throat> six more months i think i got enough credits to get out and i had this money from my dad <clears throat> was in the military so i got i think that from 18 to 19 i was still in high school so i was getting social security money from the military or something so i had this like 2500 saved or something oh and i was just like i'm moving i'm going to sf like my mom's all what are you gonna do there <laughs> you know i'm like <laughs> Don't worry, mom. It's going to be good. I'm moving in with this guy, Greg, and we're going to find somewhere to go. Huh. Yeah. Did you already know Greg back there? or did? Yeah, I knew Greg from back there, and that's we skated together all the time. And he had moved to like San Jose to live with his brother. And then he was like, you got to move to SF because I was going to move to San Diego with, uh, remember Jason Maxwell? Yeah, yeah. From he was from Rhode Island, and he was on. He was trying to do something in San Diego with like some company. Uh huh. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, I ended up being like, yeah, SF seems like way more sick, you know. So, mm -hmm. so I moved in with Greg. I moved in with Greg, and we fucking moved to uh, San Jose for like a few weeks, maybe. And we we're like, this sucks. Let's take the train into to meet Jamie Thomas because he was really good friends with Jamie Thomas. So we went and stayed at his house for a little bit. Uh huh. Then we met these chicks on the corner of like in the Western Edition. It was some, it's right by Divisadero. And they were like, hey, and we're t flirting with them and talking to them. And they were like, we need roommates. And we're like, we got money. We can move in. And within like <laughs> a few like days, we were already moved into that spot. Nice. But the funny thing is, I don't mean to ramble, but there's a funny thing is, is once we moved in, they had a party that night. And so all the skaters came and uh, fucking Sean Young was living with Jamie and they all came and then he met one of the girls and they hooked up. So then all of a sudden Sean had moved in. <laughs> and then of course you got Hurley moving in cause Sean's moved in. Yeah. So all of a sudden we got all these people living there and then somehow Clyde Singleton ended up on the couch. <laughs> so we had this whole Whoa. fucking house full of people. And me and Greg were just renting the room and we live right by DMV. Uh-huh. Right in that area. Okay. <laughs> 
And then there was like some weird weed dealer dude in the back who sold weed and we'd never seen green bud before. So we were like, what is this shit? Like, you know? Uh, and I think even for some time, the city stars, no, at the time it was menace. Billy Valdez, Fabian Alomar, uh, Joey surreal, Pupeki, they were all staying there for like, I think Damn. like a good, like two weeks to three weeks, like Heavy every day. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Before that though, you were skating uh, Rats and Maximus, is that right? Yeah, yeah. What, what were Man, the... How'd you find out this info? Well, I got <laughs> friends. Um, is that kind of where you met Drahobel? Yeah, like, and actually, I kind of knew Drahobel. Like, so we used to drive from Mass up to Rats once we found out about Rats because that park was sick, right? Where and was that? It was in Maine. So that's like, you got to drive through New Hampshire and to Maine. Is that in Dan's town or no? Yeah, close Brunswick by. Brunswick or whatever? Close by Dan, yeah. It was Bitterford, but I think it's a few towns over. Okay. So we used to drive there because it's fucking snowing in the East Coast and you only have like Maximus or rats to skate. And maybe we had like a abandoned building that we skated sometimes. So I used to drive there in my Volkswagen buggy and it had a rotted out floor so the fucking salt and all the shit would come up through the floor and we'd still just be powering through the snow just to get there and they'd be talking shit the whole way like just everyone crammed into one fucking you know VW bug you know getting all the way up there and uh, we'd make it though and we'd get there and just like I think one time they had a lock-in where you stay the night Yep, and uh uh ben liversedge came with us that time and there was i think rob welsh was there and welsh used to be there he was just like this little weird kid and he was hella good at like three 360 flip nose slides and we were just like he's kind of good but he's kind of a weird kid right and then uh as he got older and then he would see like yeah i know drahobel and and then as i got older i realized oh that's that guy rob that used to be at the um Fucking rats when we'd go there. Remember him? Uh, he was like, but he was shorter. He was like a little guy then. Uh huh. Yeah, but he was hella cool. But we were just like, who's this guy? You know? <laughs> well, no, because Dan like gave him a ride home one night. He told me, and then he was like giving him shit in the car, and it was like a snowstorm. And Dan's all, "Fuck you, dude! Get out of the car!" <laughs> He's like, "It's fucking snowing!" And he just abandoned him no in the way. fucking snowstorm. <laughs> and there ain't no cell phones back then. And Dan's like, <laughs> laughing about it. I think there's another one where he chucked rocks at Dan. Like, I mean, Dan chucked rocks at him and pegged him from across the river. Rob was telling me a funny ass story. That was Collinson, I think. That's how oh, Collinson that's Collins got his name Magnahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically how Dan was back then. He just thought fucking with people was hella funny. I don't know how he got away with it, though. I remember being like, living with Dan and being like, how's he get away with being an asshole to everybody? And everyone still yeah. likes him. Some people <laughs> have that. It's weird. It's just like, they can, you can tell he's just being a. Uh, a fucker you know yeah but no i didn't really meet dan until we like we kind of knew each other but when we when i moved to sf me and salba were living in that house and then uh <clears throat> we kind of got tired of it and we were about to move in with dan on leavenworth and we had skated with him a bunch and that's how i met him two or three months into living there oh okay but you oh, so you guys had skated just as like uh acquaintances at the at yeah. back east yeah yeah okay and we just kind of knew him a little bit like not super tight like he he was already out here earlier for like blockhead and right all that kind of stuff and he'd already made his like like i was back east looking at the slap magazines that were made of like paper you know uh-huh and there was like a couple ads of dan and he's on think and, and i remember i loved think back then because 
I watched uh, Partners in Crime, and I used to watch that every day and be like, oh, this team is so sick. Ronnie uh, Bertino's fucking dope, and yeah. Carl was sick, and Nick Lockman, and all those guys. And I just loved that video, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I remember Think and Think was like, you know, kind of like World or something back then. It was like mm -hmm. the cool company, you know? Yeah. And what was Maximus? Oh, ZT Maximus was a little park right next to the Cambridge Pool, and you take the, I'd take the tea there. Basically, go, it was like a, a sick ass mini ramp and a, a vert ramp that was only like nine and a half, ten. I think it was ten feet, but it had big old coping. Like the coping was like hella big uh -huh. on both the mini and the half pipe. So we used to fucking just you know take the train in, and then I'd go. You go skate for the day. You know, some guy named Ken owned it, and he had a, a go kart fixing spot right in the place. Oh, kind of like Fosto's little go karts. He used oh, to fuck yeah, with. Yeah. Like it was the same, magic. The same kind of stuff. And Ken was like hell. He was a weird guy, but he was cool. And he was just running a skate park, and it was fucking cool. It was a good park, and it eventually turned into like a street park mixed with the half pipe. Okay, but it used to just be a mini a mini ramp and a big old half pipe. And uh, you know, everyone used to skate there, like uh, Robbie or, or, or Jamal and all those guys. Robbie and Jimmy. Yeah, he used to like everyone used to. He was the first. So I filmed a clip of him. That was my first clip that was ever in a Thrasher video. Oh, really? Yeah. What was the trick? He man? was uh, skating Woodside in Redwood City, the halls. I don't know if you ever went down yeah. there. Yeah. And he ollied the length of a, a table. Yeah. And yeah. I was I there with him that day? You might have been. Because I remember. That, me and me and McKenny went there because we heard there was a big session. You probably were there. And I kind of think that was the beginning of McKenny getting hooked up with Think and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm. It was cause a big I, session. And I love that spot. I remember me and Phil went there and filmed like a lot one day. Yeah. And it might have been right around that same time, and you might have been filming. But we had, a, I remember just loving that spot because you could just haul Get ass lines and go fast. And just, yeah, yeah, and just cl fucking clear tables. Like it's mm -hmm. nothing because you're going so fast. And uh, I just remember Phil was skating hella good that day. So I was like super stoked to try to, like, all right, I'm going to go too. Like, me next, you know? Like, right. Kind of I think I had an elbow pad on and shit. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Um, did you meet P Stone back east before you moved to Cali? Yeah. So, so when I used to go in my last year of living in Boston, we used to um take the train in all the time, and I started like not having people come in with me as much because they were busy or they didn't want to go skate or didn't want to take the train into Boston. So, and I had just met Liversedge that whole like summer before, um, on the whole like tour of like all the skate contest from the east coast and uh -huh. nsa and all that weird shit and so liversedge was going to college there and i'd go in and stay at his dorm and then he's like oh i met this cool guy uh p stone or press oh back then it was just preston and i was like yeah i know him from maximus the guy with the ponytail <laughs> i was like he fucking rips like he'd skate vert so sick like he could just and he was always hella positive and just you know yeah stone, just in a good mood and and so we'd all fucking go out in like zero degree weather and just go get coffee and get powered up like nice and warm. And then we'd go skate these curves by Prudential or we'd go skate some Copley shit. And P-Stone just was sick because he was hella big with those big old Converse or whatever he'd wear. Then <laughs> I think he had Re Reebok pumps sometimes. He'd always have some crazy shoes. Uh -huh. But he'd fucking ollie hella high and just yeah. he was always down and he was always like so cool. So I met him back back then. Like we'd go in every weekend and skate with him in Liversedge. And this kid Alex, I don't remember Cazares. Uh -huh. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, but yeah, it was it was that's where I first met P Stone. But then we became friends and stayed in contact for years. And like, 
Dude, he did. He helped me like film a bunch of video parts when I was still like, uh, yep. you know, the VHS days. And yeah. I was, it was basically like my profile. I think he almost filmed the whole thing. He took me on a tour all through Arizona and he just always had the links. He's like, oh yeah, man, we're going to go stay with this guy. I'm going to skate with Colby Carter. And he you know, had and it dialed. Like, yeah. And he, even back then, like before, when, right, right when he was starting to make justice, he's at that point, he was still always filming and he was always like, come on, man, you got this next try. Like always getting you to do it you know yep. and so like it would have been years like i think we talked to you in there for like 10 the last 10 but it had been years since we actually hung out and gone skating uh-huh. i think i saw him at b street when they almost burned down the b street oh yeah <laughs> i was there Whew. so then you moved out to california you went to san jose for a little bit but basically went straight to san francisco yeah. And then you had the stint um, in the Western Edition, and then your next place you moved into was with Drahobel on Levensworth? Yeah, we moved in with Drahobel on, Leaven- on Leavenworth. Was O'Brien involved? No, we didn't move in with O'Brien till we all got a place the 14th. at uh, Octavia. The oh. no, 14th was next. It okay. was like every year was like a new spot. But right. Leavenworth was cool because we'd wake up, and that's where I got on Think. Oh. We'd wake up in the morning. And he and Dan would call Greg, and then I met Greg, and we'd be skating with him. And within like a few weeks, Greg was just like, "Fuck you, riding that." Uh, I think I was still getting GNS boards, and I couldn't get a board, so Laban gave me a I Love Cops like blockhead board, uh-huh. and I was about to put it together. And Greg's all, "Fuck you, putting that thing together, board, dude." I was like, "Uh, I don't got a board." He's like, "Here's a fucking think board, dude. Just put this thing on." And he starts, he gives me a think board, and I'm like, "Cool." He's like, "You want to ride the think?" <laughs> I was like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then from that day I was on kind of. Oh, know. sick! Yeah, and but we'd skate from Leavenworth all the way down the hill to fucking Market Street, and then we'd hit EMB, and from there wherever you know, try to sell some flat spotted wheels or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Damn, those yeah. were the good days. That was like fuck, shit was popping in San Francisco. Yeah. Everyone was coming here, and was just like the place yeah. to be. Yeah, it was crazy because we we were still kind of like the. Kind of like, not really the T-Dog crew, but sort of, you know? <laughs> like, uh, like, we were like the crew from out of town, but uh, we weren't necessarily ones that people hated on. But we were really there during that thick of it, like... When EMB was going off? Yeah. And, I mean, we knew everybody, so everyone was cool. But I remember the first few people I met was, like, Joe Brook, Shelby, oh. Woods, and, like... Uh, Shell Black. Yeah. And, and James, of course, because he's oh, like, yeah. hey, can I get a smoke, man? Yeah. You know? And then from there, you know James, and so... But they were always cool to us. We never really had any issues at um, at EMB. We just would be there with everybody. The counterfeit twins was this weird Russian twins. No way. And they skated for counterfeit. They were there every day. I didn't know that. <laughs> How funny. But uh, I was there that day when Gino. We I think this was a this was maybe a couple of years like in maybe a year and a half. But Gino went to backside heel flip the Gons that day, and we all went down there and. Uh, that was like a sick day. It was like Pupeki was there. We were all there and we were like, just like amazed. You know, I think he switched backside heel flipped the seven. Yeah. Backside heel flipped the guns. Fuck. Switched back to 180 the seven. I think Pupeki fronts at 180 flipped the seven. And that was a sick day. And uh, not long after that, Jamie Thomas went there to the guns and he had this competition with Gons to kickflip it that day. And then yeah. Jamie was so serious about it. He wanted to get it so hard. Uh-huh. And we were all like, oh, is he? Who, who's going to do it? You know. And Jamie did it once and stuck it and fell. And then Gons just did this wild kickflip, fucking landed it. And we were just like, yeah. Like, was so that was, same day, I think, Trehobo was trying 360. 
like a front three, front three over it. Yeah, dude. I have the the tape of that. <laughs> the footage is nuts. And then Jamie, I think maybe ollied it barefoot that day, maybe. Oh, really? Or it's all on the same tape. It might have been a couple of days, different times. Yeah, yeah, but like that, dude. McBride, real young, and like yeah. there's so many faces in the tape, and you're just like, what this footage fuck? rules. You know what I have? I have this old reel tape in my room. It's a um, high eight. Or whatever, you know those tapes? Yeah. The big square ones? Yeah. It's got hella Gons footage on it. No way. That's why I was like, if you can watch it or fucking Yeah, for sure. It. I got a guy that's uh, digitizing all my old tapes at work right yeah. now. Yeah, I could do that you. and then mail it back to you or whatever. Yeah. Drahobo uh, actually asked me to ask you a couple questions. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Dan actually is one of the most requested people for me to have on the podcast yeah why doesn't he do it i don't know you decided you wanted to do a podcast not me that's <laughs> <laughs> so him dude so uh no dude fucking you decided you wanted to do a podcast i'm gonna me. go down and just um, him. hide it hide a mic and we'll just yeah just talk shit yeah for a little bit and... but he's he's good about sending me some questions for each person he said to ask you about when you were tripping on acid on your birthday and he baked you a cake and started singing happy birthday <laughs> so no it was shrooms i i was like <laughs> so i was so uh psyched it was my birthday it was 22nd birthday i remember because it was two and two and i thought it was a weird thing when i was tripping uh -huh. but I, everybody was there at the house and i was so excited and so i was like i'm gonna fucking really take some shrooms today and have hella fun so i ate this huge mushroom cap like this motherfucker was like that big yeah and so i ate it and i was cool for a second and then all of a sudden i walked outside and like the buildings looked like they were falling down and getting back up and i was like oh shit i'm tripping really hard so i walked back inside and when i walked back in dan's got this knife and he's cutting the cake and they're singing happy birthday and i'm just looking around like holy fuck i can't be here right now like and i just walked out of the fucking <laughs> place and just kept walking and like i don't think i think i snuck out before anyone could see me so i started walking to the top of like twin peaks <laughs> Like, you know that, whatever that is, at the top of Castro, it's not Twin Peaks. It's like that weird rock thing, and you can see the whole city. Because I had to get away from everyone. I was like, ah, what's going to happen? This is so like, I was just too tripped out, you know? Yeah. And I felt hella bad, then, like, you know, days later, because I was like, oh, man, that was kind of weird of me to do. But I had this crazy trip, and I remember coming down and being like, oh, man, everything is just one big energy man <laughs> super <laughs> blasted you know holy shit i think i was weird for a few weeks after that too. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was crazy I, I just took too many shrooms i was like whoops <laughs> <laughs> hard to monitor <laughs> mckinney was mentioning to bring up some story about fred gall he said you had some oh, really shit. good Which story ones? about fred <laughs> i mean i remember being there the day that he did all that hubba shit and oh then, were like, you there for the Switch uh, I think I was either there for that one or the one where he skated that little hubba on uh, Market Street. Uh-huh. You know, the little Danny Sargent 180 nose yeah. grind fucking, it's kind of like a hubba. Yeah. But I remember one day going there with him and he just Switch 5 would it, Switch everything did. And we were just like, this kid is so good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just remember him always being like, Pels, let's go skate, yo. And I, no, I do got a good story about him. Him and Lou were in this hotel room in fucking Toronto or something, and me and Dan were in the same hotel room with him. And him and his buddy Metal Lou were fucking 
fighting, full-blown fighting, like punching each other in the face and shit, and fucking put hell holes in the walls and just like we had to cover them up with fucking uh what do you call them uh pillows and shit because they and me and trouble were just dying laughing the whole time because they were just tooling on each other and they'd be like metal and just <laughs> smashing each other uh, that i have a lot of funny stories about him i just can't think of him off the top of my yeah. head <laughs> holy shit so what when did you guys um meet phil must have been like uh, mainly through think like uh basically dan kind of knew phil already uh-huh and right away i think one of the first days we all skated i can't remember the first day but i remember just right away being like him and dan hella goofed off together and then he was hella cool to me and we were just like this guy's awesome like we're gonna skate with him and paul all the time you know and uh we ended up meeting paul and phil i think we ended up quickly being on some tour or some like get i think it was mainly like contest greg would bring us to and we were like on the team together mm-hmm. i remember just like loving that guy right away because he was just hell of like oh you know he's always smiling and always like talking about skating when you're skating with him he's like dude i when i do heel flips do you do this and he just <laughs> he'd right away be into like how to do a trick or how to you know that's what yeah. he wanted to talk about and so we'd be like he helped me with skating so many days that i was tripping on i don't know if i could do this he'd be like I was thinking about that earlier. He'd have such an easy way of thinking about it. Like, he'd just be like, no, you just put your foot right here and kick off of a heel flip like it's a one foot every time, and it'll go right to your back foot every time. And I'm like, really? And then ever since to this day, I still do heel flips and think about when Phil told me how to do it at EMB or, uh, like, we'd skate something big, and I'd be tripping like, that thing's so big. He's like, dude, all you got to do is get to the top and then ollie and grind. And, and then it just does it for you. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Convincing myself he's right. And it would help, you know, because I'd... Everything was so fucking easy for him. Yeah. And it was, it was sick because it made me think like, oh, yeah, skateboarding is just... You just go and you do it. It's not that hard. Like, even though it is, <laughs> you know. I literally watched him go from a vert skater to a street skater. And I think it was basically in a... Like, he broke his leg or something yeah and he the whole time he, he was long hair <laughs> yeah the whole time he was down so i went over there to visit him a couple of times what are you doing he's like i'm watching mike carroll in slow-mo over and over learning <laughs> That's how he was. learning <laughs> how to do an ollie heel flip <laughs> and yeah. i was like you can't skate right now he's like i know i'm watching how he does it <laughs> And when I get able to skate, I'm going to be able to do that's it. so how he was. And I was so. like, yeah, right. But and a- <laughs> he, dude, he came out and he did all this shit. Like, and I was like, okay, fuck you. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so easy. And like, you could tell like every day, he'd always be like, oh, I suck at this or I suck at these. I'm like, dude, you're doing like the nolly heels and switch heels and nolly kickflips like better than most dudes yeah. like, who are street skaters. Like, yeah. you're like... And he'd always kind of talk down on his street skating. I'm like, dude, if I could do tricks as clean as like still when I watch it to this day, it looks like it'd be good today. Like so good. Um, I think I was there the day him and Robbie Ganjemi first cleared the thing at Miley and first got over the top of it. Oh, yeah. And that's when he was like, I don't know if it was the same day or like the next week. He was like, I think I could just grind the top of that Uh and just being like, because he had that. Uh, like Miley can it's hard as fuck to ollie off until you learn how to really and so once you learn it it's kind of like oh now I get it Uh but he was able to like use that vert and transition skill of like thrusting yourself up there and when he 5-0'd it 
I, like I know nowadays people do shit on the top, but back then it was fucking mind blowing. Yeah, like, we were just like, holy shit! Like, right, I can't believe he did that. Right, <clears throat> I have footage of him tail sliding like, and then just kicking out of it. Oh it's God. like a whole dude. It's so fun. Oh, on the top. Thing? Yeah, what? Like where that he same where day, he five oh no, it was a little bit later, and he would just be like, and then I guess. The story I heard is Whiteley went there with him to film it, and he ran out of batteries, and Phil did it anyway, but it never <laughs> oh, got you filmed. Use it then. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. no, it never got filmed because oh. Whiteley didn't have. Oh, that. and no one took a photo. Yeah, it was just them, and I don't yeah. know. I I think about Phil a lot. Like when we go to certain spots, I'll be like, man, if Phil was here, yeah, you know, I I, I still like it's been twenty one years. And I still, there's still times where I was like, Phil's the guy for this spot. Yeah. Out of everyone, Phil's the guy. Yeah. And he, man, he just had that ability to make it like from like a vert type thing, a super hard like transition type thing and street mix. Yeah. And he could just like, he's, that was his thing. Like, oh, I'm going to fly off this and Smith grind this box. And absolutely, you know, he was so good at that kind of stuff. And it got me psyched to be able to try that stuff too. And I was just tripping when they called me that day. I was like, wait what like yeah I was like in the east coast of my mom's house and o'brien called me and i was just was like that was the first time i ever lost someone that close to like my life you know same and i was just like still like that's just yeah. crazy man paul came over to my house and i i <clears throat> we went out on the the front porch and i just i think i just started bawling and i was just yeah. sitting there in a daze going He's like that right then I real, knew yeah. I was like he's gone. Yeah, it doesn't seem real. I was like I was tripping too. I was like not really one. Were you guys were you there when they there's been probably a lot, but there's one in particular session at China Banks where like him and Dan and McKenny, it was like at the end of the damage video. Yeah, and, I was there for, I was there. I think I was there. And Phil Smith grinds it and then Tailside reverts it. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Because I think that's the same day I wallied the fucking Cause I was like, I gotta do something. They're killing it, yeah. and I was like, well, I can wally off this thing over a fucking little garbage can. Like, yeah. I can't really skate it like them because they were doing tricks on the top. Yeah, and I just at that point, like maybe I could ollie a bench, and that was my extent. But those guys really had figured out the transition. And I remember just being like, oh my god, they're so good. <laughs> this shit, like, and Phil just kept doing it, like tail slide, tail slide fakie, and Dan's like rail slide fakie like yeah. how do you board slide to fakie that he was the first one <laughs> to ever do something over a bench i think on the top oh my god and i think he did that board slide over the bench i'm pretty sure no one did anything over the bench for at least 10 years yeah. after that yeah, like it's it was... not like he did that and then other people are like oh good idea and it was yeah. like no that's fucked well, that, yeah that was the thing is we used to skate Instead of going to EMB and everyone was still skating ledges and blocks and shit and Greg and think we kind of were learning like he always pushed on us to skate everything. Yeah. Kind of give us the idea. We were with Phil and Phil would skate everything and so did Dan. So instead of going to like we're going to go skate EMB, we just would mob through the streets, get the China Banks and skate China Banks and everyone. No one skated China Banks. Right. It was like tech wizardry that day. Yeah. That time of skating. So small wheels and, and only, big pants. Yeah. Only like anti-hero guys or some other dudes would skate stuff like China Banks. So. We really learned how to fuck with that transition and Miley. It was like that like tight transition, weird shit that I normally wouldn't have skated either, but skating with Dan and Phil, 
they showed me all that one time dan fucking kept trying some trick on the top and his fucking board would keep going over like this was like two days straight and you know dan he either has a great day or he has a terrible day and just starts smashing his board into pieces yeah so he was having one of those smash your board into pieces days and he fucking his board kept going over the top and then it lands on the little checkers or the cards that they're playing all the all the asian guys would be old asian dudes would be playing checkers or and it kept going over the side and so it would fall down in there and almost hit the people or mess up their game so after like two different times dan's board went over he's like fuck and he'd go down to get his board and he'd come back up with it and they'd be yelling at him and like the third time this fucking asian guy was like holding his board and i was like no nah, he's yelling at him in chinese and dan's just looking at him like give me back my board and the guy's like fuck you no and dan just says fuck this and we're like dude where are you going and he's like fucking going home he just started smoking a cigarette and he walked home <laughs> we were like ah okay i guess that guy just came up on a board <laughs> oh man that was the end of that day what's some fucking crazy shit that happened at those houses so you lived with him at levensworth uh what was octavia it octavia was, and was then like, 14th yeah i remember we used to pee out the window and, <laughs> and the, the guy the guy the landlord was some weird dude that looked like he was in devo uh-huh and he fucking lived downstairs and so we would want to like we me and greg lived in one room so we'd pee out the back window instead of having to walk through like drahobel and o'brien's room or whatever uh-huh <laughs> and uh I remember the landlord at one point was like, what the hell are you guys doing peeing out the goddamn window? Because <laughs> we didn't want to have to get up and walk all yeah. over there. I mean, just crazy stuff. Uh, at Leavenworth, I don't know if Poncho wants you to, wants me to tell this story, but... Uh, Poncho! <laughs> we were... Uh, so we were at Leavenworth and Dan was there and me and Poncho had gone to some rave with Greg Carroll and Mike Carroll was there and I remember I hit up... I think I said something to Mike one day, like, you remember this night? And Mike was there doing like th it was like a hip and he did like 360 flip tail slide over this hip and all these sick tricks and we were watching and me and poncho were like i think we did i'd never done acid or anything uh -huh. <laughs> that was the time and so me and poncho had taken some we were like what the fuck like this is such a fun like experience you know and i just met poncho and he, he, and he ripped you know i was like who's this little guy and he fucking rips like we go down the street and he's doing heel flips going hella fast and we're like dang this guy like kills it switch heel flips going so super fast down the street and so me and him kind of did acid together and that was kind of a cool first experience to do with him and uh and then we went back and i think i think we even got a ride home from mike carroll and like his girlfriend like some random night we end up back in leavenworth and there was a girl in the bed at dan's house with dan's girlfriend and i remember being like oh i remember her i think we made out and so i kind of curled up next to her and then all of a sudden she's like who What's that thing at my? What's going on at my foot? And I'm like, oh, that's my friend Poncho. <laughs> and Poncho was cuddled up on her feet, and she got all freaked out. <laughs> oh, jeez, it was fucking rad, dude. It was I a funny. It, it was a funny time. It was like we were like fuck, nineteen or twenty or something. But all right, yeah, he's doing like horror movies and all kinds of cool yeah stuff now acting. Yeah, he's he's doing. He got married too. I'm stoked yeah, he's for him. To his girl. You know, he had a hard time because I think he fucked his back up to a point where he, the doctors were like, you can't really skate anymore. Oh, really? And so just, you know, being poncho is like, he's determined to do things. And like, yeah. that's, that's hard on him. And I think there was a, you know, acclimation period where he was struggling a little bit. I think he's doing really well now. I talked to him. Yeah, he's like he was like on American Horror Story. Yeah. He was on that. And, then and he's doing Rob Zombie, Rob movies. Zombie movies. And he yeah. did a, have you ever seen his video for uh 
fucking John Cougar Mellencamp, I think. No. He's on a motorcycle saving a girl. What? You gotta see this. Yeah, it's the best. And he does art. He does like sick art. Oh, sick art. Yeah. Yeah. Ponchi. I need to get Poncho on the pod. Poncho, come on, man. Come Come on. on. Franco Nutman living (laughs) in that garage with the butcher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've told this story a million times, but uh, when Pat Duffy first got on Think, I'll never forget it because Poncho was like, Schmitty. Duffy just looked at me and was like, fuck, I went from Ternansky to Schmitty. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, that was the relationship we had. We would, like, me, him, you were and TM Ma- at the time? No, I was filmer, but like oh. me, him, and McKenny would just bust each other's balls all the time because he would stay with Tim and San Mateo. Oh, yeah. So I, and I lived down on the peninsula. So I'd pick them up and we'd drive up to the city and, and go to Think and then go skating. And like, we just spent a lot of time together, so it was like fucking. Fuck, Duffy still rips, man. I, I love watching him. Like I seen him do some kickflip into some steep ass bang. I saw that the other day. Yeah, yeah Duffy's. Gonna, is he on Plan B again? Is I think he's still. Like yeah, a like member type, kind of like Sheffy and him, or like probably like the yeah. legend or something. So how did Matt O'Brien get into the mix? Well, he was okay. So like we knew O'Brien from uh, another spot that we'd go to back east if we had like a good long road trip we'd want to go on was the playground and is that in connecticut connecticut and that's like um tony da silva remember that guy yeah foundation his mom bruno bruno or bruna she ran the place and she was super cool and uh and then like the locals were like matt o'brien greco uh Tony De Silva, Brian DeGrabe. I, I never really skated with him. Some other guys, but Gaberman. Uh-huh. So they were like the locals. So we'd go there. I think we only went there like five or six times, but we met O'Brien there and just we're like, that dude's got a sick style. And I think somehow he moved out to SF with Gaberman. And that's where when he moved out there, I think he met Drahobel and all of us. And he's like needing a place to live too because everyone was moving out there. And, and we were like, uh, I'm pretty sure O'Brien moved in next door to dan so dan and o'brien were in one room and me and uh salva had another room Mm. and then eventually upson was in there i think yeah well upson came and stayed with us like at once we moved to guerrero street and he came and stayed like with o'brien and that's and oh upson was another local yeah. yeah and all those guys fucking we thought they ripped so hard. they were hella good That's super good yeah mini ramp like killers so speaking of greco how how did you get so good at as greco would say going over the back the old back lip oh <laughs> i don't know that was just my trick man i was like i you know i don't have a super tech like catalog of tricks i just have my shit that i do uh-huh. and i like uh, back lips a lot and so I'd just go for the old back lip fucking because it was easy for me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sketchy for me now. Like, I want to do a handrail again, like a big one, a good size one and back lip one, but I have to, like, work my way up to it. Did you, like, get comfortable with those at a skate park or something when you were younger? Or like, Oh, no. You know what I had in my in my driveway? Like, I lived in the cut, so I just had a PVC grinder bar, and I'd just skate that all day. The flat ones? Yeah, i just uh-huh. skate it all day, so that was one of my tricks. And, and H Street really... What's up, Dan? That's my roommate. This is Schmitty from Thrasher. Let's take a quick time out, hear from some of our peeps, and we'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So like, um, no, because, okay, watching the H Street videos, I fucking loved Matt Hensley. He was like my favorite skater. And like, you know, he did every variation of the back lip. So for me, I just wanted to do back lip everything. I wanted to kick lip back lip. I wanted to do cab back lip and everything he did in the H Street videos. So I just do those all the time. So that was like my go-to uh-huh. trick. You know, I wasn't, I still to this day can throw down a back tail, but it's not my like, I just feel weirder. I feel like if I throw over the back lip, it's easier. Uh huh. <laughs> what was like one of the biggest ones you did? Was it that Japantown one? There was one you had like on that rail. I think it was in Japantown. Like it was maybe red. Yeah, I mean the I did one for an iPad dad at uh fucking what's that school that I watch. Washington, the one where Mike Carroll does the nose slides and Plan B down the long. Oh, Lincoln. Lincoln. I did a back lip for an iPad that right. I did it with Gabe, and uh, I landed it and slid out. Like, okay, I got it. Like, it was cool for the ad, but let's go back and film it. Like, I had landed it, but I was like, I slid out and did a power a slide, so it wasn't good for footage. But I mean, the photo looks sick, and I think that's the biggest rail I've done for a back lip. Uh-huh. So we went back, and my third try, I fucking clipped on the way back and went fully backwards legs in the air oh. bounced on my back all the way down the thing and and flipped over and hit my head but i had a big old dread beanie <laughs> so my head like got protected yeah. but i was like oh my back my back and they were like holy fuck like i could have broke my back and then uh that night and i was like really hurt and then so like whatever gabe drove me home and with gabe i'd always either get the trick or get broke off <laughs> yeah <laughs> so because he'd be like you got this Let's do it right now, Pills. Right. Uh, so then I went home that night, and I and it's the middle of the night. I'm going to the fucking bathroom, and halfway through getting to the from my bed to the bathroom, I just passed out and fell on the floor because I was in so much pain from my back. I didn't know what I did to it. Whoa. And then and then the next day, I had to fly to Woodward Skate Camp. So I'm on the fucking plane, like dying of pain, and I end up going to some hospital after I got a rent a car, and they were like, "You almost broke your sacrum," I think it was, and I, I had a football sized bruise on my back i couldn't skate for like a month or something no way but uh yeah i think that might have been the biggest one and then maybe i, I back lipped here in sacramento uh, um san juan which is like a 13 stair or something it's a weird trick because as long as you get on it right it's just gonna fall into place can you do front boards yeah because it's like it's the, the same thing. thing but all you know yeah. those are kind of like my little yeah my little go-tos i mean is that your good old basic tricks a front board, if I skate a rail, either a board side or a front board would be the first go-to trick. Because uh-huh. a front board, you can just sit on and throw away in front of you uh-huh. and throw it away so that you don't step back on it. But yeah. a front lip, you could clip on the way up. Yeah. And a board side, you could throw away too. So I still try to do a rail here and there just to keep being like, yeah, you can still do that. So I've been trying to still get down a little but I used to be like a back 50 would be cool because right away you get on and get off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember me and Phil skated this. It was like for some weird Euro mag and we skated the cliff house rail. It used to have a rail back there mm-hmm. and me and Phil, Phil feeble grinded it. Oh yeah. And I back 50 it. And it was Sick. like, yeah. 
Because I remember being like, I can't fuck with this. And Phil's like, dude, just try it. And he fucking feeble grinded it. I was like, oh, I guess I I guess I can do it. <laughs> That's so rad how he would push people to like get in the best of them. Yeah. He didn't even mean to. He just was psyched on yeah. you know, have that natural positivity. I remember him and Dan were pretty bummed on me when I kind of quit or got kicked off think it was kind of a mutual because i was like you know speaking of like doing the shrooms at that time i was super like hanging with mike there and we were just doing shrooms and smoking weed and skating all the time Uh uh-huh and i was kind of like this was years after like think it started and i was in there deep but uh after years of doing it with think like a few years i started being you know i didn't wear the shirts and greg would be greg and keith and foster would be like you got to wear the shirts man i'd be like but you know i started kind of going on my own little weird hippie trip and i think they were like you know but i remember phil being like dude did you quit what the fuck and i was like ah, i don't know man it just is what it is at this point like you know i felt bad because i loved those guys but i just i think i thought at that point i just needed to move on to something else but looking back i really I really think like you should have just stuck with that, you know, like, but at the same time, you know, different times in life and new different times. Yeah. So is that kind of right around the time you got heavy into reggae? Yeah, that was like, I was getting into reggae. I was like, you know, smoking mad weed, but I was still skating a lot, but I was kind of going on my own little weird, like, you know, kind of like self-discovery trip. And I think it was hard for other people to deal with. I think I lived in my van for a little bit with my dog and they Uh were like, you know, it was like, I tried to live like, you know, let me live in my van and that fucking sucked. Uh (laughs) I thought it was cool for like a week or maybe a a month. And then I was just like, and I ended up living with a girlfriend like right next door to those guys anyways. Because no I'd just way. go stay at her house. The van eventually got impounded. I think it had a dead battery. I don't know how to fix <laughs> it at the time. Now I'm like a super mechanic. But back then I just was like, I don't know. I just left the thing by 469 Guerrero. So then did you start getting bored from... Uh, yeah, not, right after Supernaut, Think, right? Mike Ballard and them were starting Supernop. And uh, right around that time, I think Mike Ballard came up and was like, I moved to Excelsior District and I lived out there and it was like a weird time. But at the same time, it was cool because I was painting a lot and doing all this weird artistic shit because I was getting all like hippied out and getting into my creative side. And, uh, and I started doing a lot of painting and Mike Ballard's all, we should use all these paintings and put them on the Supernaut boards. And Cairo was on, Brian Gaberman was on, Paul Sharp was on and John Minor. Hmm. And then shortly after that, I was like, we should get Rodriguez involved because I think he was leaving stereo. So that's when Supernaut really started to come together. And I remember Matt Reason was on Adrenaline, and I yeah. stayed with him in Philly that summer. And I remember Ballard was just sending me blank boards and money <laughs> yeah. just to stay afloat. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it was like just – that was right around the time, like, think it just maybe ended. I moved – I was, like, touring and going through Philly. I think I left my dog at my house by, like, Divisadero. <laughs> my roommates were like when are you coming back i'm like i don't know like in a month or two like just yeah. take care of the dog you know and uh yeah it was like it was like that time that supernaut really kind of took off uh or really just actually started uh-huh and uh yeah it kind of was cool it was like at first it was awesome because we had like all those guys on at the same time and then it just kind of like after i think six months is when people start you know cairo got on real mm. But we still, it was like Paul Sharp, myself. I think John Minor had left too. That was a good team. Yeah. So then Supernaut started with Rodriguez. And uh, and I thought that was a cool, we had a couple good videos. And yeah, it was cool for a little bit. You for know? sure. Well, we got to take a phone call. We got an avid listener here. 
<laughs> Wait, this is live? What's up, Matt? Wagwan, Ross Pales. Yes, I am. It's Cranny Eye, seen? Cranstafari from Creation. <laughs> What's up, man? Okay, I got a question for you. You probably don't even know me, but I met you in 1997, 98, in Lake Tahoe. You moved there, and we were skating the, the South Lake Tahoe Park. And we smoked herbs out in the woods, and you were extremely fucking Ross. I was hyped. But uh, I also saw you do some of the like, first tricks I've ever seen anybody do. You did backside nose blunt to switch frontside pivot on a quarter pipe, and you also did kickflip backside lip slide down a fucking handrail. Well, it was a skate park rail, but still, to me, that was unbeknownst to man. I remember that day, um, though. I remember I was getting good at backside okay, blunt at the time. Note, my question is, why did you move to Tahoe? <laughs> and, yeah, that's how I met you. So um, that's a big question for me. Like, why the fuck were you there, man? But it was really bitching to see you there. Yes, I. Why I moved there? First off was, uh, so I lived in the Excelsior. I moved to Excelsior for like a few months. And I remember at that time, no one had skated out there. And fuck, there were so many good skate spots out there. And I remember P-Stone came to stay with me. And he was in my fucking room with me. And we just kept hiding out in the room because I lived with these two weird, like this weird couple that Matt Field introduced me to. Like, oh, you need somewhere to stay. You can stay with these folks. Mm -hmm. And they were fucking crazy, dude. I swear they were tweakers. I don't know. They were weird people. <laughs> but yeah. their little kid would bang on my door and I'd be like, get out of here, little kid. And the kid was fucking annoying. So anyway, we had all these good spots. So P-Stone came up to stay with me. We filmed like almost my whole four-on-one part. I know this is off subject, but I'm getting somewhere. No, sick. At, from that house, because there was just so many spots. You could go out your door, and it's just hills and rails, and just that. The Excelsior is dope. So me and Peastone were out filming every day, and I was like waking up, and I was trying to get psyched to go skate. This little fucking kid is bugging me, and I'm like, no, don't don't come in here. And I shut the door, and I'm, all of a sudden, the, the lady who I lived with was like, don't yell at my kid. And I was like, I'm not yelling at him. He's just, and she fucking barges at my house and goes, get the fuck out of my and she starts throwing my bongos out the window and throwing everything out the window and P-Stone's all laughing kind of like oh shit and I'm like wait a minute let me get my shit then and I start backing up my shit like fuck this I'm out of here and Matt Rodriguez was there too in his little fucking van and so I had to get the fuck out of Dodge I'm like where am I gonna go Matt's all come stay in sack and at the time like back then like you know no one had cell phones I didn't have a good network I didn't know what the fuck I was gonna do and again, Matt Fields was like, I know uh, Brian Blake, like this true, uh, this guy, true love, Brian Blake, he's an old New York skater uh -huh. and he's all Rasta. And I was real into Rasta at the time. I was really like learning about it and I was super into it. We used to smoke weed with, I mean, we used to be like schooled about Rasta. I know this is getting off subject. but No, I like it. We used to learn about Rasta from this grandpa guy that lived, that worked at this place, Reggae Run-Ins. And that's Tafari, Tafari, mm -hmm. you know, a little young Tafari. That's his grandfather. No and way. And he used to teach us about Rasta every day. Yeah. Whoa. His old grandpa, he's still alive. Wadada is his name. And he just teach me and Craig and all these guys about Rasta. So we really kind of were into it. And so anyway, I got moved out of their um of like my house and i'm trying to figure out where to go so i stay at matt rodriguez's for a couple a week or so and and like i said fields was like yeah i know this guy brian and so i went and moved up with him for the winter and i'm like i'm like still so into skating at the time and i'd just been skating all the hills and the excelsior and i was like 
I'm going to live up in the fucking mountains in the snow for, this sucks, right? Uh But I ended up living up there and it was cool living with him. And he was super Rasta and so was I into it at the time, like deep. And so I just go snowboarding with them every fucking like day. And then we built a mini ramp in the, in the living room. No so way. we could skate. And so all of a sudden I learned all these tricks. Like he was saying back nose. I learned like back nose blunts, nose blunt, all these nose blunt variations. Cause I'm like fucking sitting there in this house, stir crazy, 10 feet of snow or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. So we just skated mini ramp all day. And that's where I started learning. Like, like I still can't do a lot of tricks I did back then, but I learned so many. You just do mini ramp tricks all day and just try them for hours. Cause you have like a three foot mini ramp in your living room, basically. That was in Tahoe? Yeah, in Tahoe. In so, North. Sure. And uh, I think it was or which whatever's the more the less touristy one, hmm. South Lake or North. I think it's North South Lake. Lake is heavenly. I think it's North. I Lake. think we we're in North Lake. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but the snowboarding kind of got me like psyched on, like I was snowboarding so much. I got into like ollie grabs again and big like ollie grab back like backside when any Japan's or all those kind of tricks that like require you to fly through the air and grab. Uh-huh. I, I remember. um just from snowboarding a lot, it kind of got me more into the idea of like flying off something and doing a grab. And I think I used to try, uh, I think at that time I learned on mini ramp, like backside Japan to backside revert. Yeah. And I remember on mini ramp thinking, I want to do a backside Ollie Japan and tried to do, I kept trying to do McTwists <laughs> and I was coming close because no I was way. like, oh, this is just like snowboarding. So yeah, that, that kind of helped my skating in a way. It kind of changed my, um, my viewpoint of like back threes or all that kind of, but it was a fun moment. You know, I lived out there for a bit. And then when it got to be spring, we skated all those old skate parks around. I think I skated with Casey Lingstrom. Oh yeah. yeah. But I remember just being like, this is fun, but I got to live in civilization. So I moved down here and Rodriguez was like, you can move in with me for a little bit till you find a place. And hmm. we found a place here for like 600 bucks or something, me and this oh. kid. And we just 300 bucks each hmm. had a whole house. <laughs> what year was that? 98 oh okay or maybe 99 like the end of 98 into 99 because i remember living here for almost a year and it becoming the year 2000 uh-huh. i remember that like being out on my back porch and being like is the world gonna end the y2k scare <laughs> yeah like, dude the computers can't handle the flipping it from 99 to 2000 ah uh, yeah they can <laughs> people were losing their shit talk a little bit about rasta like that was a real big kind of jump huh it was like a step in your life yeah Yeah. for sure like you grew up listening to metal and rock and roll pretty much right yeah and then i mean i liked hip-hop yeah well i was like into sex pistols or old hip-hop i was into that but then i got into like led zeppelin and set i mean i like sabbath just because we'd be on the tours with greg and he'd just be jamming that yeah i really like bob dylan and stuff too though i was kind of a hippie so i was Uh into a lot of hippie music which kind of led me into like and i like bob marley and then when I started listening to Bob Marley, I started listening to the words and be like, what's this all about? And then I remember we were, you know, back east, you're, a lot of us are Irish Catholic or whatever. That's uh-huh. my family roots. So I was raised into Catholic, but I remember being like, I don't believe in this like church type shit. Like what is, but I, you know, and I remember just finding like some type of spirituality in myself where I didn't know how to explain it. So I started listening to Bob and I started getting into Rasta and being like, you know, this makes sense to me. This this is like, I can still be into, you know, I was at the time I was real into reading the Bible and learning and educating myself about uh, Buddhism, the Bible, or all this other spiritual stuff. And I just found that like, for me, Rasta wasn't like some 
Christian thing where you got to be this white bread Christian and go to church. You could live your life. You could smoke your herbs. You could grow your hair like the way you want to. Like, and they have this whole little set of rules too. But it, a lot of it had to do with Leviticus. Like you grow your dreadlocks long, like you grow your hair long. You don't cut your beard or do any of that. Mm-hmm. You eat vegetarian and you just like be at one with the earth, smoke herbs when you pray and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, this is like, I love this. And at the same time, I was like, fully invested in like reggae music. I loved reggae and I loved the history of reggae and I loved all the, knowing all the people in reggae. So I learned a lot, but both, right? And then for a while I got really um, kind of regimented, like, oh, I gotta uh, have my hair like this. I have to do this and I have to print. And it, and in a sense, it kind of took away from like, like what I was initially running, stopped being into anything Catholicism. I was like, you know, and a lot of people would just be like, I'm not into any of that. And that's cool. That's your path. Like, and so I've kind of found that you know, it got me to a certain place at that time. And then so I feel like I'm still Rasta. I still have all that in me, but I'm just thankful for life. Every day I give thanks and do my life, but I'm not like um trying to push some, oh, this is exactly how the Bible says you have to live or something. I'm not like that. I'm just more like, um, well, I'll treat someone good if I see them. You know, mm-hmm. I'll try to do the best I can. If I, if I did someone wrong, I'll try to make make it right, you know? And then I just like, as I got older, I, I I just got more in t- as like in tune with myself spiritually. Mm. Instead of having to have something else bring me there, I just felt at one with myself naturally. Mm-hmm. But I think at the time I ha- I learned a lot about that. I was so into it that it really got me to a place. And I still like love Rasta. And lo- like if I'm with people who are Rasta, we can talk about Rastafari or Hali Selassie or all that kind of stuff. I'm just not into the whole like you have to live like this. Or you're going to hell, or sure. you have to live like this, or you're a heathen. I just, yeah. think, I just think that in any religion is bullshit, right? Know? I think it's just if you're sitting there coming outside of yourself to tell someone else how to live, you're not at one with yourself. That's a problem within yourself. So I feel like within myself, if I'm good with my life for that day, and you give thanks for that day, that's that's all I really am about now. But I still really love Rasta, and I really love reggae. Uh-huh. It still is like so deep in me. Yeah. That like, you know, it's even passed on, like I said to my kid, we were talking about earlier, he he knows reggae like from the beginning. And and like reggae to me comes from like Rocksteady to all this other like, like went from ska to Rocksteady to Roots reggae to modern reggae to dance hall. And for me, it's like a deep culture. Like like I know all the different eras and times and, and just really love the music. And so it got me into like reggae music, making reggae. That's why I put out albums and Ross Matthew became my little reggae name. And I yeah. made a song that got super popular about weed, you know? Yeah. So all those things started from Rasta and just, I still, like I said, I still love all that. That's just part of my growth in my history. Sure. I was always curious, getting into Rasta, was it through like... In other words, what came first, Dare or Rasta? <laughs> uh, field or Rasta? Like, did the Rasta get you more in tune with those type of dudes, or did skating with those dudes get you kind of more into Rasta? Yeah, but yeah, but, uh, the second part. Like, basically, I always had like these two albums of Peter Tosh and Bob, and I was really getting into. I remember I loved Bob Marley, mm-hmm. and then I also loved. Uh, I got Peter Tosh Legalize It. And That's I was the real gateway, into weed, right? Bob yeah, I was real Pete. into weed. Yeah, and I was like, oh, look at this Legalize It. He's in a weed field. I love this music. So oh, yeah. still, when I listen to that Peter Tosh album, I'm like, oh my god, I love this album. Like reggae mylitis. Like uh-huh. you know, you got the reggae bug. And then at the same time, 
Field loved like Dub and Yabby You, and he was getting me into all this other reggae. And then Mike Dare knew all this reggae too. And so we were like watching old reggae videos like Rockers or Land of the Look Behind and all these Jamaican reggae videos that like, you know, most people haven't seen, but we were just kind of getting into the culture and learning about it. And like the whole thing about iPath, because the Rastas say I and I. So I and I means like the I who is yourself, who is the I of your your soul, like you're a soul, you're an I, you know, and then I and I means like you're one with creation, the I, the I of life, you know, because everyone sees one perception, but differently. So it's yeah. I and I, like I and I means like myself and the almighty or myself and the, whatever people want to call it, the almighty force of life, you know, because uh -huh. everyone has a different name for God. And, but like, you know, I and I was like, I path, you know, so that's kind of how field come up with it. But I think at the beginning, I really, so it's kind of like my path. Yeah, my path. I path like the I, you know, the soul. Uh -huh. And uh, I think really like at the beginning though, like being hanging with Dare and Field and Dare's brother, we were kind of like, they had known some about Rasta, introduced some of that idea to me. And then I kind of went on my own super trip into it where they were like doing their thing. And Field still has his like own little spiritual thing he does too. And Mike Dare, you know, he's got his, he's real like herb type guy you know mm -hmm. so it's just a, we all kind of had our own little different take on it and took off in our own directions with that type of thing but i think it was mainly from hanging out with them it was influenced me from there like a couple maybe a year or two later that's when craig came around from satori and we were hanging like i said with uh tafari's grandfather i mean we didn't really hang with him we just show up at his shop and they'd be like okay these kids Is are coming in, in. We, yeah it was called reggae run-ins right at the bottom of divisadero and fell or something but he would just kind of teach us about Rasta and about Brad, what they, know you know. That. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then later years, you know, Satori went to Jamaica with, uh, and I think really Joey Terche too, uh, really facilitated a lot of getting all those boards out there. And we gave out hella boards. We built a ramp in Jamaica. We met all the I folks. I remember that. And I wasn't quite there with music yet, but I was starting to like reggae and I could play it a little on guitar, but I... I didn't know how to sing or do any of that. And and I remember seeing everybody there would always be singing and they'd always be jamming and, and freestyling. And it really got me like in tune with, I want to make reggae music like that. Yeah, we made all those boards. Everybody went like, there's so many people on that trip. Cardiel, Matt Rodriguez yeah. slept out on the beach and some burnt his leg so bad he couldn't skate <laughs> the rest of the trip. Like fucking, like we went everywhere and it was a sick trip. And Nigel was there. No way. N little Nigel Houston was there with his dad and Abby. And they stayed in Jamaica with us. And Chris Ortiz was there. Because Nigel's from up here, right? Somewhere yeah. out of the sack, like yeah, Roseville he, or something. Yeah, Woodland. So Nigel went there with his dad. And me and Cardiel skated this fucking ledge at uh, Duns River Falls. And we were just charging because we were about to get kicked out. And his dad was sitting there watching us. And he was like, hey, Nigel, check this out. But before, I remember getting mad at Nigel and Abby for jumping the fence and be like, you're going to get us kicked out. Get down. You know, he's like, chill, man. Like, those are my kids. <laughs> So anyway, we barged into Dunn's River Falls and there's this hubba and me and Cardiel were like, we both want to fucking shred this thing. I wanted to nose grind it, but I think, okay, so like I 50'd it, Cardiel charged and 5-0'd it and it was on the cover of like 411 video, whatever it was, oh. like it was on the cover. Cardiel 5-0'd it and then I was trying to nose grind it and they came out and they're like, no man, you can't skate here or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, come on one more. And he's like, no man. <laughs> he's standing there all hubs strong ass Jamaican looking guy. I was yeah. like, I'm not fucking with that dude. Yeah. And then some weird Rasta guy was like, oh, it's just some old Jamaican. He was like, come on, man. We, I'll show you the, in his Jamaican. He's like, let me show you the real place. And he, we all went 
fuck, I mean, there was at least like Carl Watson, like 12 to 15 of us went up into the woods and he took us to this waterfall yeah. and we all went swimming up there. <laughs> it was oh, pretty sick. sick. Yeah. That was oh, a that's crit. amazing. I've never been there. I went to Cayman Island, but never Jamaica. And then how did that happen with, um, you mentioned earlier, you, you've been playing music, but that one song really took off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Ganja in My Brain is my big reggae song. I made that in that room, actually. I, I just started making music and I made, put out this little album and it got a good review on a reggae thing. And, and I just put it out myself. I just kind of mixed it all myself and made it all myself. And, and it kind of got its little buzz and it was cool. And then uh, MySpace was around and I put out a few songs and they were all right. And I made this one song one night. I think I was listening to Sizzla and I was like singing, uh, I came home and I was like singing the song over and over in my head, like ganja my meditation, ganja my brain. And then I was like, I wrote it out and then I fucking, I, made, I had the beat and the beat was like, I think I was singing some weird song on it before and I listened to it. I was like, this song sucks. And so I got home and I was kind of blazed and I just sang it out real quick. Boom. I put it together and I mixed it and I was like, ooh. I was like, I don't need to fuck with this at all. This is perfect, right? So I put it on MySpace and within like, a couple days. I remember thinking, I remember saying to myself, I think this is going to be a hit. And it sounds stupid, but I, I was like, this song's pretty catchy. Cause I played it at the dance hall. Cause we used to do reggae nights and we'd, uh, we'd be DJing. And so people would walk in and we'd have a big old crowd of people. And we played that song and everyone got down to it. So I was like, wow, people are feeling the song. So then we, I put it on MySpace within like a week. It was getting a thousand plays a day. And so I was like, shit, man. And then, uh, this French magazine, the guy's like, I'm a skater and I work for a French reggae magazine and it's called Raga. And he's like, I want to put you on a mix CD. So he put me on a mix CD with that song with like all these famous reggae dudes. Huh. And so that came out and, and then all of a sudden in France, cause I had already put that song on, uh, this thing called TuneCore with, I distribute my own music. Uh -huh. And so instantly within like a few months, all of a sudden my music checks were like, a hundred bucks a month and i'm like i'm getting a hundred bucks a month from my music and it's just all ganja in my brain and then all of a sudden it got on youtube and it's just over that over time it just became like millions and millions of plays Whoa. and i think like i think the most i made in a month was 800 bucks one time damn when it really first hit after that cd was out and then it was yeah. mainly france you'd look at all the because it went out in france oh. and you'd look at all the reggae all you can see where your sales are coming from is mainly france so i still a majority of my, I think I make like 400 bucks a month off that song. Damn, that's <laughs> pretty sick. It's cool, yeah, and it's just all over YouTube. It's just everywhere. Do you think being a pro skater helped open some of those doors? Yeah, or? yeah, for sure. Because yeah, like, that guy was a skater. Was he knew me from skating. Uh -huh. Yeah, and he's like, Matt Pales, you're Ross Matthews. Sick. I don't remember who the guy was. Fuck, I wish I could find him or email him and see what he's doing now. But he just was like working for Raga uh reggae magazine you know and that's how he got me in he got me a review in there on my album as well and did you start with matt rodriguez yeah so like i had a guitar and when i came out here matt was in a little band he was starting with this dude kenny and kenny was in this band called steady ups and they were in steady ups together and i remember i'd go to their shows and steady ups is a rock steady reggae band uh -huh. i'd go and i'd watch them and i'd be like this band is so put together like they were like the next, like Filibuster was a band that was from here in SAC. Yeah. And basically the lead singer, Kenny, went to Steady Ups and it became like real rock steady, like reggae, like put together super clean, good reggae that is classic, right? And I remember watching them and just being like, I want to be in a band like this. Like, 
I think I joined the band with Matt and I would just play bongos or I'd try to learn guitar. And so I just kind of learned, but it took a few years, man. It took a good number of years before I was actually, you know, I would sing and play guitar, but it took a while to like really hone in and get in tune and sing properly. And mm -hmm. and then I got, and then uh, so through Matt, I was in a band with him for years and I still really singing wise wasn't there, but uh, I was building. And then I became like friends with people who did um, DJing and reggae nights. And so I'd be on the mic all the time and I was learning what they call rhythms. So they just play a rhythm and it's blank and it's a classic rhythm, like the answer rhythm that goes mm -hmm. like, but um, but um, but da da dum dum dum, but um, it's like a reggae rhythm that's classic that a million people sing on. It'd be like your turn, and then you take the mic and sing over it and get people. And I learned. Is it like freestyle? It's like freestyling, but if you already have it, like I would sing Ganja in my brain. Oh, but you have But I'd song. sing it over this rhythm or something, mm -hmm. or I'd sing right. another song I got over this rhythm. So I really learned a lot about singing over rhythms and how to mix in a rhythm and how to sing over a rhythm and how to really deliver and get people pumped. Like, like it's really a big thing to get connected with the crowd and make sure they're feeling you and it's tough to c catch people right and so you have to learn what catches people and what really gets them um listening to you and not just walking away from the, the stage you know it's kind of like comedy right where you yeah. kind of take notes as you're doing it to learn for the next time like, yeah this worked so i'm gonna stick with this this didn't work yeah this was Drop bombing it. like i was really thinking i was feeling it but actually you're closing your eyes and you're trying to zone in on your music and no one's listening to you because you're not connecting you know uh -huh. you have to like reel in the people sure especially performing live you know so matt but definitely okay. matt was the first one that got me into music i guess stoked when he plays with uh tommy and chuck yeah. Therese. like they'll come and play a show in sf sometimes ray barbie too i mean it's oh, just it's like so cool. kind of just jam style yeah. of all their eclectic <laughs> yeah it's pretty sick yeah so when you were teaching your son about this like <clears throat> my question is kind of like obviously bob and peter tosh yeah but outside that like what are some like staples that you would like say these guys will help you to yeah. explore uh we well so like me and him um are super close so we hang out all the time we go on road trips and all that and we just hang out all the time so i showed him reggae and he was kind of into other stuff like the he got real into the beatles and Jimi hendrix and all these other classic bands and he was learning guitar and learning all those type of songs and then uh i kind of showed him some reggae muting and palm muting a little bit and then mainly skanks and then he learned that and then right away he started learning bob songs and he started learning peter tosh and like i said my my kid is just a musical like like what when what we have with skating he has that with music he's just in tune with it so but then right away he started learning gregory isaac songs big youth songs uh-huh um uh, Dennis Brown, he knows hell of Dennis Brown songs and like the Melodians to like uh, Slim Smith, like old uh, Derek Harriet, like uh -huh. old, all the old soul reggae, like okay. really 60s, 70s reggae. Many, you could tell Manny any song, he'll be like, oh, that's this song. He'll pick out the bass line for you and he'll show you the chords. Or he'll listen to it for a second and be like, that's C and G. It goes like this. <laughs> he just instantly is intuitive. So, yeah, he's just really that's like... awesome. And he loves soul and old school too, which now he's teaching me about reggae. Like He's like, you don't know about this song by the Mighty Diamonds? And I'm like, <laughs> show it to me. <laughs> I'm like, I've never heard that song. And he's like, huh. yeah, it goes like this. You play it for me or something, you know? And how old is he? He's 16. 16. So he was learning all... I mean, at 15, he was already like... He had a musical catalog in his brain that was just... Wow. amazing but he's always been a kid that when he gets into something 
he studies it and he becomes like completely knowing everything about it. That's just his personality, you know. If you were like Smitty, you got to go home and listen to these three. Well, like, I like is it Black Uhuru, Israel Vibration? See, I used to love Sizzla. that kind of stuff, and he loves Sizzla too. I got him into Sizzla. Oh. I used to love that kind of stuff, and I still do. But now I'm real into the old school, like Slim Smith, uh-huh. which would be like my conversation. Romaine Virgo. The Ethiopians. It's just old, like, kind of rock steady is what I really love now. Okay. I'm going to yeah. check some Because I, I, I know Bob and Peter Tosh. Yeah. Like, that's what... I worked at Ghostscape for, like, a bunch of years. And the dude I worked with was full Rasta dude. Oh, yeah? So he would, like... He would get me into Israel Vibration. We went to like shows at the Fillmore and, yeah. and up there. And when I went to Reggae on the River one time even. <laughs> no way. I saw Israel Vibration. They all oh, had like, still so sick, the, like the yeah. walkers and Why stuff. Why Worry and uh, what do they got all these good songs. Yeah. There's all these Bob songs that are classics. Uh, and I found out through my son that there were Curtis Mayfield songs. Oh, and Bob just kind of redid them, uh-huh. and they became famous Bob songs that everybody thinks is a Bob song. Yeah. But if you, but then Manny's like, no, look at this original Curtis Mayfield song, or look at this is this comes from the Impressions. Yeah. I think it was the Impressions that Curtis Mayfield was in before, and I, and then he got me all into Curtis Mayfield. So Manny still to this day will be like, oh, I know this version of this reggae song, and then he'll be like, oh, but here's the Marvin Gaye version, and he'll no play way. me that too. How yeah. Sick. He's he's like that's cool. It's fun shit. to be around. Like to he, be on when he top gets of... jamming, it's like I just like to kick back and listen to him and be like, "What's that? What's this song?" That's real cool. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Sacto life. Yeah. So we're caught up to the present, and you've been here for like what did you say about fifteen years? I've been here for twenty, I think. Oh, 18, 20? 18 or nineteen. Okay. But I've been in this house for sixteen. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, I've been here quite a while now like i think i'd say 20 years so 1999 what's up with jim boy's tacos fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's the best man I is love it really that place. yes rodriguez introduced it to me when i first came and i remember because i was vegetarian and i just get the veggie burritos now i eat meat but i don't know why man it's just the best for me i still love jim boys so i'll always go there I like people will be like, people let's go to rave about it. Or, because it's like Taco Bell, but upgraded uh-huh. way better. Like everything's fresher. Everything's just, it's just the bomb, man. It's like fast food, but just great. If they're listening, they should sponsor me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but their Instagram fucks me up because they, they make these awesome, like I follow them on Instagram and they make these awesome like taquito burritos mixed with this and this. And they're like only at participating gym boys. And then you go there and they're like, no, we don't make those. And I'm like, come on, man. You show me all this gym boys. Like, yeah. Shout out to gym boys. Shout out. You uh, <laughs> are giving out skateboard sponsors. Matt Pales <laughs> right here in your hometown. Hook it up, man. 916. Yeah, I need a gym boys shirt. And you've been skating a lot, huh? Yeah, like the last, I think, five years. Like, I, I worked at the B Street. I ran a skate, the skate park here at B Street for years. And then I got moved into youth development. So now I'm teaching a class about getting jobs to kids, which isn't my forte but it's cool whatever um but at that time when i was at the b street literally like all i would do is skate there and i and then at the end of the day you go home from work and you feel like i'm done for the day so i just skated skate park for like fuck like six years and before that i had a knee injury so i was out for like two and a half years and kind of gained weight and got like out of shape and i was like this sucks like 
I got to get back into skating. So I'd skate a lot at the B street, right? That's cool. And I rehabbed my knee and got it back to normal. And, and like the last four years though, after I got like, let go of the skate park job and moved into this job, mm. I started just street skating all the time. And my, uh, one guy I knew, uh, Josh, the guy, Josh Mosh, shout out. he'd always be going on these missions. So I'm like, I don't like, like trying to hit people up and having people flake. So he'd always be down, like, let's go skate. And he has spots for days. And I'd drive Uber too, so I'd find spots. So then the mission would be every weekend or every time I got some time off, let's go hit this ditch or let's go hit this weird bank. Or I know about this other spot that's in this. That, so we just are on the mission for new spots. You know, okay. skate at all these weird different spots. So now that's still my thing is every day I get a chance, I'll go, uh, you know, if I have a day off and I have some time, I'm going to skate uh, at least two or three spots. I'll get a list going of like where we're going to go. Right. And some days it's going to be mellow. Some days I'll try to do something gnarly, but... I just love to, when I get free time, I want to go skate because I just love it, man. I don't want to lose that, you know what I mean? And uh -huh. for a little bit, I felt like I was like, not losing it, but I was like, you know, not doing it as much. I think, I remember, I remember after my knee injury, I think I remember thinking like, man, I haven't like actually sweated or skated in like mm. so long because I was hurt and it was like bumming me out, like, you know, but we've been, we got mad ditches here. I know. There's so many ditches, and you just got to know where to go to them and how to fix them up or make them good, you know? Yeah. McKenny's been, or he's come up at least once or twice. He's yeah. He's so hyped on He's like, dude, I got to get back to sack. There's so much fun shit to skate here. And then he's like perfect for that kind of stuff because, like, I, I think I want to take him to this ditch where I shoveled out all the dirt and I swept it out and I put a curb up at the top. And he hasn't skated it yet, but it's fucking super McKinney. Is he goofy? Yeah. yeah he's goofy, so he could fuck with it. Huh. But uh, it was so cool skating with him that one day because what the other day I skated with him was at B Street. Right. We still had that sick like McKinney energy. Yeah. And then when we skated with Eric J the other day, I was just so hyped because I was like, it was like Friday. My girl was working, so I had some time to skate. I'm like, let's go. We're meeting up. And just, sure. he was just killing it like he does. Like, you know? Yeah. That, she did like a kickflip barrel on the sketchy ass bank. And then you got to bomb the hill and he was eating shit. But he was like, no way, man. I got to do it for you, man. And, Shout out. And then he did the classic pull it out of your ass type of McKinney <laughs> shit. And I was like, he's still like that dude, you know? And now for a new segment called First Impressions with Tim McKinney. My first impression of Matt Pale's was him, Dan, O'Brien, their chicas, Magnahead, and Salba up at their old city house. We'd go up there with the Foster City posse and go get boards and hang out in Dan's room and watch Dan smoke cigarettes and hang out in bed with Ashley. Years later, I'm pro with these same guys going, wow, dude, I was just a high schooler a couple of years ago. Now I'm skating pro with these guys. Now I'm in my 40s, and he's my animal chin finder. I've been going to Sacto. I call him to check in. He's got me on his Instagram. Glam. You stop it. And, and I seen him, you know, at the B. It's all started at the B. I'm handing Matt Rodriguez $5. First time I've ever man-fanned in my life. Anyways, stop it. Now all the time I'm trying to get a hold of him. To get go skating, and he's just got a little young girl that he's in love with. I can't even get him to come out, and I think he's on steroids. I think he's all roided out nowadays. Is what I'm hearing. He's just roided out of his mind. <laughs> when I first met him, I remember being kind of like I was on think, and I, you know, I was a little bit like, dude, this guy's fucking taking over because he'd just go to a spot and destroy it, you know, and you'd be like. 
damn dude how do i keep up with this fool like you know that downhill in sf and it goes down like this and it's like the bank to wall and you have to ollie up the yep. he just went there and was killing it remember that video part where yeah. and me dan and phil were all skating it but he was specifically destroying that spot and i remember just being like this kid is amazing. Like, how does he just charge so hard? Like, he was a wall ride machine. God, he would just charge, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he still, like, just psychs me out to this day. Like, fucking goes for it. Him and Jesse Pius together. And, oh, yeah. Jesse was so sick. So talented. Yeah. Man, he's like one of those dudes. Like, Wade was like the epitome of the dude that could just, like, not skate for six months and then, like, come out uh, yeah. and just rip like he never stopped yeah they could be off of it for a while and then just still kill it like they yeah. were natural and yeah so wade was he really was another guy fuck man he just taught me how to just fucking go for it and just like you know stay on your board kind of like wide leg just god he would do so many rad switch airs here at fucking uh sacto that that vert ramp yeah skating with him on vert and phil like i sucked at vert but they would just be like dude just fucking do this and you know way it talks what was the name of that place i was the trying grind it was the grind yeah the one that had the bowl with the pole yeah like, the Wade bowl did with the, the air pole. and hit the pole and yeah transfer. and fucking phil did that ollie from the quarter pipe to smith grind across the whole thing yeah oh that was <laughs> gnarly Dude, so do you see any of the old dudes like Joe Sierra or fucking, oh, yeah. uh, Greg Carroll lives up here too or no? Yeah, Greg lives here. And I said, he said, next time Phil and Eric J are here, you better, I mean, uh, Tim. not Tim and Eric J are here, you better call me. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Uh -huh. So Greg, I saw him one day, we hung out and walked around and uh, we talked still like here and there. But uh, yeah, he lives here. But Joe Sierra is two kids skate. And they're hella cool. And so I'll skate with them or I see Joe at the B a lot. Uh -huh. uh, fuck. I see Mike Rafter around sometimes. Okay. Um, what about Mako? We got any yeah, Mako sightings? Mako's around, dude. I see him a lot, dude. He's here and there. He lives at this house with his Dark Star uh, flag. He's still there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's out and about. Fuck, who else is there? Like old school Sacto. I mean, Ricky Windsor. He used oh, to fix my car all the time. And no way. Now he ignores my calls because I fucking just hit him up to I'm, help I'm, me with car shit. I'm he's working. like, oh, Bales is calling me. He's going to ask me about car shit. But he's got a sick little quarter pipe at his house. You know and Curtis he, Franklin? Yeah, Curtis Franklin. He's try yeah. We're trying to work on getting Ricky enough. I'll bring him a 12-pack, whatever he needs. I, I want to come over and talk with him a little bit. He's a he's an yeah. elusive one. Yeah. Rodriguez, he's got a little Sunday parking lot shit that he does where they nice. pull out a bunch of stuff. And fucking Sean Martin goes there with his kid. Shut up. Yeah, he, so so Sean Martin goes to that little spot. We were skating with him last week. We need Sean on the sick. show. Just seeing him do backside all these. Dude, dude Shawnee so Mac. Shout out. Yeah, he's got more grades than you, dude. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. I do too, though. I just dye my hair. Damn. But uh, he was there and his kid was there. His kid rips too and skates around and. Uh -huh. That's a good little thing, though. They got quarter pipes they pull out. Him and Casey pull it out. Uh, his little S. Boom company, I did some graphics for it. So I'm psyched to see that. How cool. We got a... I already forgot this. This was, like, high on my list. One year, we had King of the Road, Meetup, B Street Skate Park, Midway Point. <laughs> All four teams show up, and they do the Midway Challenges, right? We get there. Yeah, All day. four vans show up. <laughs> Matt, Matt's working there at the time. Fuck my life. Somebody knows? comes in and all of a sudden it's just firework mayhem. <laughs> we go inside eventually after everyone's fucked. 
uh, we go inside and we do the challenges. There's some sick ones. They have the one in the bowl where the guys are hitting each other with the, uh, it's yeah. like American Gladiator. You whack, yeah. whack them. <laughs> so whatever, we're in there doing the thing. And all of a sudden, we notice there's a fire outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they basically almost burned down the whole fucking side of the hill next to B Street. Yeah, you guys showed up with the fireworks. And so I'm working there and I call my supervisor like the day before because I work for the city and I run a skate park. So I'm like, hey, uh, Daniel, we got the Thrasher guys coming tomorrow. They're going to film something. He's like, cool. Um, I can open up early. Yeah, no problem. I open up. I'm doing all the thing. It's all good. But being a skate park, like running it for the city, you got to make sure no one drinks there and all that. So fuck, dude, they just show up. Everyone shows up. Hell of people. I'm like. And there's fireworks and they're fucking lighting up fireworks. So like I got to be a city worker at the time and I'm sitting there like these are my skater homies. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and so it's just fucking going off. And I got to be like, ah, they just lit up some fireworks. Um, I, Sorry, man. I don't know. I didn't know they were going to do that. And then uh, within like 10 minutes, dude, like someone was wheeling a keg into the <laughs> park and i'm like dude you can't bring a keg dan z and he didn't remember me i knew dan z i was like bro you can't bring a keg in here and uh-huh. then he's like i'm going in there with the keg i'm like no you're not <laughs> fucking i'm like not letting him and he's finally mass yeah and motherfucker was like acting like he didn't know me uh-huh. he didn't say what's up mad or nothing and so it was just one of those things like king of the road is on their journey and like yeah. you're just in their way at that point so i was like oh fuck me like i'm in the worst position right now so anyway, they almost burned down the whole side of the thing. The fire department comes. No one's admitting to nothing. It's just... It's right next to a septic tank. No, no, no. It's right next to a fucking gas line. You gas. <laughs> so the whole fucking field is a gas line. <laughs> so I'm like, God, I think I threw a table on top of it trying to put it out. I was fucked. And, but the good... So like I'm about to lose my job, basically. Like They're like the next day. It's on the fucking news. And so the next day I go down to, I think Monday, I have to go down to city hall with all my city supervisor people. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know, man. We just opened up the skate park. These are a bunch of people that just came from on the road and they just started doing shit. I couldn't control it. Like I made all the right calls at the right time. And so all the city like big wigs were like, well, I guess the skate park guy, Matt, pretty much did his job and called the right people at the right time. So I was able to keep my job, <laughs> but I was fucking stressed like yeah i think i'm just gonna get fired now. <laughs> Sick. Like, you know the fucking coolest gig you get to run a skate park and skate uh, for a living i'm about to lose it yeah but uh i was kind of bummed but i was like you can't really blame anyone it's just what they're doing like uh-huh. they're not gonna you know <laughs> i'm just glad the whole fucking I think thing got they, put out quick but then when the cops came they they put everybody outside and they're like all right if somebody doesn't fucking admit to this, I'm bringing you all into jail. And then I remember Clive Dixon like just took it. I don't even think it was necessarily his fault, but he's just like, I did it. Yeah. Luckily it all panned out. Okay. Like basically just was over with. I mean, I don't know if Clive Clive Dixon ever had to face the wrath or what. I'm not sure what happened. I'll have to hit him up. (laughs) It might've just blown over, but I remember that day being like, fuck, we're fucked. Because the cops were there, the fire trucks were there. It was like, yeah, like you said, there was some locals there just pointing fingers at all of us, getting all... Mm -hmm. And then we had to put everybody back in the skate park. 
And P-Stone was there too. Yeah. But it sucked because I couldn't really connect or say what's up because King of the Road, everyone's on oh, such a yeah. hype that you're like can barely connect because they're, you guys are like, okay, we're doing this, we're fighting this, we're going to win and then we're going to move on to the next spot. And so I'm like, P-Stone, I'm wanting to catch up with him, but he was- Yeah, it's on a whole nother level. Yeah. The adrenaline is insane. And, and you're on like these, t- like you're so rushed. <laughs> like I got to leave three minutes ago. Yeah, we gotta get to the next spot, and I gotta do five tricks. And I think one year that one of the challenges was like go to the rope swing with Matt Fails. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Because I think I've been rope swinging on Instagram a bunch, and Jake was probably like, "Fucking go do a rope swing with this guy." Uh huh. And then uh, the other one was like uh, get someone to do like a naked McTwist in the B, and I think one of my workers like let him in to do it, and I was like, "No, you can't do that. You don't know no naked people at the B Street." <laughs> But Jaws did the McTwist and got it in. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the one thing I don't miss about working at a skate park is you got to be – like, it sounds cool because you get to skate all the time and run a skate park. It's but cool. you have you to be the city. disciplinarian. But then you got to be the guy that's like, yeah, kids, you got to put on your pads or fucking yeah. sucks. You know, you're like, oh, you can't drink here. So it kind of feels like you got to be a cop and that sucks. You know? uh-huh. So I, I like what I do now. I just help kids get jobs and sit in a classroom for a few hours a day and teach them shit like that. and. It's basically helping youth in the Sacramento area. Hell yeah. Like that sounds get, real cool. It's basically yeah, helping them get jobs. Like, and it's not like troubled kids. It's all types of kids. So They call me Mr. Matt and shit. <laughs> Mr. Matt. Well, Mr. Matt, uh, is there anything else we should touch on? No, nah, I mean, this has been good. I don't want to keep you all day. No, well, good. But uh, fuck yeah, it's been rad catching up. Yeah. Good seeing you again. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, what we'll just... End it with a little ganja my brain or something? Yeah, put that in. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you, dude. All right. Thanks, Schmitty. Yeah. Yes, I'm on my window seal, peeping what I saw, but to the hero of the week.
Kali trees They're flowing in the breeze Ganja in my meditation, ganja in my brain Mary wanna take away my stress and pain Ganja in my meditation, ganja in my brain Ganja it take away my stress and all my pain Ganja is the medication, ganja is the cure Police are them a fighting marijuana for sure Purify my heavens and I make my thoughts pure Hundred weight of Kali with me take it from door Ganja in my daily, ganja in my clothes No offense I'm smoking marijuana around you Ganja is the currency, ganja daily bread Give me the revelations that you get through my head It's been growing so long, we call it arms bread Ganja for the living in the dark for the dead Couple sleep for Kali with me before me go to bed Make me shake up me all on the dread bread Ganja is my currency, ganja daily bread Give me the very what now start to get through my head Ganja is my meditation, ganja is my bed Mary wanna take away my stress and pain Ganja is the medication, ganja is the cure Please fight the marijuana for sure Jamaica lambs bread, Cali ganja America purple skull candy in the car Not gonna stop smoking my herbs It'll get me in touch with the earth Make me give thanks for what life is worth 200 ganja trees there Thank you for listening to another episode of Talkin' Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews in a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow up them charts. All the episodes will always remain free to my listeners, but if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at our website, talkinschmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like stickers, beanies, hats, possibly even a t-shirt. The website has an entire archive of the episodes with extra photos and sometimes even video. If you have personal pics of our Talkin' Schmidt guests, please send them to me at epicallytrife at yahoo.com and maybe your photo will end up on the site or better yet, on Talkin' Schmidt's Instagram account. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by me, Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature and a special shout out goes to my executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout out. Love it!
Until next week, this is Talkin' Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Talkin' Schmidt. Talkin' Schmidt. Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs> Talkin' Schmidt. <laughs>